Hi, this is Arielle Jack, Student Ministries Director here at New Life Church. Thank you for joining our podcast today. I pray the following presentation encourages, challenges, and inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy the message. All right, the big idea for this message is this. Because God cares about truth and what is real, he wants us to spend our lives pursuing the one and only real and true God. Okay? That's the simple, the, the, the message title is real. Last week was here, the word here. This is the word real. So we're going to be dealing with the first two commandments. And I want to read them for you out of Deuteronomy chapter 5. It says this, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now, people have a hard time with that passage. Why? God's jealous? Jealousy is bad. No, it's not. We'll we'll talk about that later. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. Just some historical context as we open up this portion. God came to the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. He pulled them out of Egypt with all kinds of signs and wonders. And then he brought them to Mount Sinai. He came down on the mountain. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. And it was such a splendid and terrifying sight. This is the God we serve. The God that came down in smoke and thunder and trumpets, so much so that the ground shook. That's God. He's still that same God. And he called the people to the foot of the mountain. He gave them the commandments out of the cloud. He spoke and they heard it. Many people are mis- misunderstand that they think Moses was the only one who heard the commandments from God. They heard it. They heard it with their own ears. And they were terrified. And they said, don't have God talk to us anymore. We, 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 we just can't handle it. We will become undone. We, we don't want to do it. You be the voice, the mouthpiece of God for us, Moses. So Moses goes up on the mountain of God and receives a law written on two tablets, front and back. And he was in the presence of God for 40 days. 40 days. Now, we live in a very fast food culture, right? We don't get it hot and fresh out the window in 30 seconds or less. We're going to talk to the manager. Well, this is a human condition. It's not just us. Okay, Moses goes up on the mountain. He's up there for 40 days. 40 days, when you're communing with God, it's not really that long. Right? When you think about it, like, there's not like a, a drive through window for commandments on the top of the mountain. It's, he's with God. But this is what happens. Exodus chapter 32, verses 1. And I saw a lot of people with actual Bibles this morning. I love it. Note-taking. Love it. Open your Bibles, Exodus chapter, one, uh, actually, Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, and read it this way. Here we go. When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, 
Come make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Now, we know the end of the story, so we're like, why were they so impatient? And it's kind of comical because you, you actually think you would be any more patient? I know I wouldn't be. I mean, these are the people who are terrified to hear the voice of God because it's so immense and so splendid and so terrifying. And then this guy, Moses, goes up into it. I'd be thinking, he's dead. We got to get moving here. We're just, sit, we're just sitting here waiting for, he's dead. There's no, nothing can live in that. So I, I, sometimes we give them a hard time. When, if you put yourself in the same place, yeah, how long are we going to stay in the wilderness? We could, you know, promised land's just up there. So that's where he is. They, they go to Aaron. And Aaron replied to them, take off your gold rings that are in your ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. Man, what were they wearing in their ears? If they could make a whole golden cat, that's a lot of earrings. And they brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, fashioned it into uh, an engraving tool, with an engraving tool, and made it into an image of a calf. Now, why a calf? Why a calf? Well, there are interesting historical possible explanations for this. In Egypt, they had Hathor, which was like a, a, the god of power. Um, and in the, in the um, Canaanite religions, El was fashioned as a god. Now, interestingly enough, the, the actual name of God is Elohim. So it is this, this L is a derivative of God's name. And it's interesting that their intention here, how many people know that sometimes you can go off track with good intentions? Anybody, anybody no one's, okay, yeah. You can go off track with good intentions. Their intention here is to worship something. And they even call this God that they've made the God that brought them out of Egypt, El, could be. We'll talk about why in a little bit. So they fashioned a calf. Then they said, uh, then they said Israel, these are your gods who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. These are your gods. This is the one who did the work. All that stuff we, that we saw going on, we can attribute it to this. Why do they do that? Do you realize that gods, the idols themselves, were avatars of, of what they considered to be real gods? So they're saying, this is the avatar of El, uh, Elohim. And God said, no, we don't do that here. So they're, they're doing it, they're doing what they know. You hear what I'm saying here? They're doing what they know. And we're going we're gonna to talk all about it. I love this whole passage. So when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and made announcements. There will be a festival to who? What does it say? Lord. They think they're doing the right thing, and they're absolutely doing the wrong thing. Their, intent, their good intentions have led them astray. Early the next morning, they arose, offered burnt offerings, and presented uh, fellowship offerings. 
the people sat down to eat and drink and got up and partied. That's how that translation goes. Man. So what does this story tell us about human nature? Because we're so quick to, like, dog past cultures. How could they do It's human nature. Let me give you one of these. Ready? Humans, we are impatient with God. We are impatient with God. God's presence. Remember God's on, he's on, he's on the mountain right now. And they're making idols down below. God's presence is presence is enough. We want him to do now. Right? We're impatient with God. We human condition, we are obsessed with control. God's omniscience is overwhelming. We want to make him smaller. God is so big, we, we want to make him smaller. Another thing that tells us about human condition is we are fixated on the familiar. Change is tough for us. We, we like our grooves, our ruts. God's ways are not our ways. We want to fashion him into what we can easily understand. And lastly, we are mesmerized by the material. God's essence is immaterial. So we, we create gods that we can touch, that we can see. Well, some people will, will j- jump back on you. Well, what about the, the tabernacle? They built all these things, and they, they, you know, the Holy of Holies had the, the Ark of the Covenant. You know what the Ark of the Covenant was? It was God's throne. It wasn't an idol of God. It was a place... For for God to be enthroned. His presence was there, but he wasn't material. So we like, we have a hard time with, we have a hard time with patience, we have a hard time with control, we have a hard time with uh, wanting things to be familiar and the same, and we're mesmerized by material things. John Lynn said it this way, the first commandment tells us that we are to have no other gods, lowercase g-o-d, before God. He is the capital G. He is to be exclusive, the exclusive object of your worship, that ultimate object of your love and desire. The second command is similar and tells us that we are not to make, not to worship God according to our own conception of God, what the Bible calls idolatry. We must worship God according to who he is and not according to what we want him to be. Does that make sense? In other words, simply put, don't, do not worship false gods and do not worship God falsely. Let me say that again. Do not worship false gods and do not worship God falsely. All right? Why do the commandments insist on us worshiping God alone and worshiping God as he is and not how we want him to be? Because God actually cares about truth and what is real. I, you know what? I think God doesn't really care about your truth. It's all about, I'm going to live my truth. Guess what? If it's not actually God's truth, it's not truth. 
It's a law of non-contradiction. You can't have two truths that are in, co- uh, in opposition to each other. It doesn't make any sense. It's, a, it's illogical, even. So often, we as Christians, we are criticized for suspending re- reality for the sake of our beliefs because we believe in miracles or things that we can't prove with our five senses, right? We, we, we are always, but I'm telling you, God is very interested in us believing the act, in acting in truth. He wants us to live out truth. What God is essentially saying is this, I want you to know me, the one and only God, and I don't want you to make it for yourselves powerless, counterfeit gods, as so many others have. God is the essence. God is the essence of reality. His name, I am, can be translated into something like this, utter reality or essence of being. I am can be translated into essence of being, utter reality. That's who God is. That's how he named himself. I am the essence of reality. I am utter reality. God created everything so he, he is the author of what is real and what is true. God created us with a desire that only can be filled by him. If we're always trying to change who God is, or replace him with something else, we'll never be at peace. We'll never experience true comfort, true significance, or true joy. In other words, we'll never be whole. God doesn't want that for you. That's why he tells us, don't worship in a fantasy or a made-up reality. Worship in truth. But if the true God is the center of our lives, we will truly be at peace. This is, the, this is precisely why Augustine wrote this. We've, he's, uh, you've made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That's the concept around it. So let's get down to application. This is an ancient text. This is an ancient concept that was presented to a particular people, namely the Jewish nation. So how does that apply to us? Does it apply to us? Well, Jesus, Jesus confirms in his teachings that these moral laws do apply to people in general, his creation. So let's see how this, these first two commandments Deal with us in the 21st century. What's the application? Commandment number one, no other gods. Matthew chapter 6, 22 through 24 says this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, this is very figurative. We're going to get into it. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Stop. Hard stop. Think about it for a second. If the eye is the lamp of the body, it means what you're focusing on, what you focus on, is reality. But if if the light is darkness in you, you are blind to the truth. If you can't see truth, how deep is your darkness? If you think darkness is light and light is darkness, how awful is that for you? 
And that's what happens when we replace truth of God's word, the truth of reality that God made for a lie, then our light is darkness. That is, that's a scary place to live. We're trading reality for falsehood, and we're running headlong into it. That's a scary place. You've all woken up in the middle of the night trying to get to the bathroom, and somebody left something in your way. It's got to be somebody else's fault because you would never do that. I never leave my clothes on the floor. Ever. Lisa's like, liar. No, we've all knocked our knee in something in the dark. We can't see our, uh, if the light for you is darkness, you are in for some big trouble. Because you're running headlong into into a, a world that is full of peril without the truth of God's word. So let's continue. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, the other word for this, and I like it better, but it sounds like something from a prehistoric age, is mammon. Not mammoths. Mammon. Now, why, is that, why do I think that word is better? Because money is so, like, tangible. Like, I don't know, is my money? Am I serving my money? Mm. Mammon says this. Mammon, the, the definition of mammon is this. Earthly goods, property, or riches. So basically everything that we're always pursuing. It is stuff. It is the material. God says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust grow up and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. This is, the, this is the dichotomy. We have two things that we either serve. So mammon is the world system. It's the stuff that we all chase after. Mammon is the things of this world that can divert our attention and love from God to the pleasures and comforts of earthly desires. Although mammon can provide fleeting happiness, ultimately is a deadly direction. Say, for instance, you believe in your heart that attaining some goal in your life, prestige, a certain kind of job, a relationship with a person of your dreams, will provide you with ultimate comfort and will answer your heart's desire for significance. We, none of us ever do that. Functionally, you are looking at that goal to provide you with the deeper comfort that only comes from God. That's breaking the first commandment. You've turned your goal into God. Prestige, a certain job, a person has become the object of your worship. These things We're not designed to bring you peace. I'm not actually saying that these things are bad. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say relationships are bad. That's crazy. You're made for relationships. I'm not even going to say wealth is, we got to be careful. But not like money, having abundance of things is not bad as long as we don't set our hearts upon them. Things Things aren't bad. They're created by God, but they're not created for that. They're not designed to give you peace. They're not designed for that. 
God says, don't elevate them in your hearts and minds. Do not set them on the throne that is reserved for me alone, capital M-E, God. The flip side is true of your worship God, if you worship God merely for all the stuff. Remember we said our good intentions can sometimes lead us astray? What if we actually worship the true God, but our motives are not right? Our intention is good, but our motives are skewed. What if we worship God to get all the stuff for your comfort? Then you are violating the second command. You've imposed your conception of what God is on God. Imposing conditions on his godness. Effectively making him a small, making him small and controllable. You've made a custom designer God. Or in other words, an idol. An idol. So that brings us to our second command. Command number two, no idols. Romans 1, 21 through 25 says this. For although they knew God, I think of Israel at the base of the mountain when I, when I read this. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave thanks to him. But they came, became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They, they, they knew God. They could see him on the mountain. They could hear him. They could feel the thunder in, in, the, in the trembling of the rocks. But they decided to worship him not as God, but as they saw fit. They were claiming to be wise, and they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man or birds or animals or creeping things or bulls. It doesn't say that, but animals. The bull. Why? Because they could see it. They could feel it. It's something that they were, it, 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 it harkened back to something that they understood. A God we can see. That's what the Egyptians did. They were pretty powerful. They weren't quite as powerful as El, Elohim, but maybe we could cram this big God into this edifice, this thing. Verse 25, they exchanged, here we go, here's the word, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And, and, and it's, it's not like they didn't know. It's not like they didn't know. People are, well, why, why did God get so angry with them? Moses hasn't even come down off the mountain with the commandments. No, no. Read your chronology. God spoke the commands to them, and they were terrified. God spoke right out of the cloud. And then Moses went up later, and he got it written down. He got this contract signed. And then when he came down the mountain, he saw that they were in breach of contract. So he smashed it. We make idols in two ways. Probably more, but I'm going to emphasize two. We make idols in two ways. We make people our idols. We literally had a show in our country called American Idol. Just saying. <laughs> we make people our idols, and we make stuff our idols. 
Now, I want to harken back to last week. We're going back to the illustration of the cross from last week, the idea of vertical relationships and horizontal relationships, right? The first four commandments deal with our vertical relationship with God. First four of the commandments deal with our vertical. They're foundational. They're the ones that all the, horiz- all the other relationships are based on. So that horizontal relationships are hinged or hung on the vertical relationship that we have to keep foremost, right? So this idea of this breaking the second commandment is this. It happens to us all. We seek horizontally for the personal peace that we can only find vertically. That's idolatry. When we look horizontally to find meaning and purpose and peace that can only be found in that relation, a vertical relationship, that is essentially idolatry. Paul David Tripp put it this way. Looking to others for your inner sense of well-being is pointless. You will never be good enough, consistently enough, to get the regular praise of others that you are seeking. You're going to mess up. You're bound to disappoint. You'll have a bad day. You'll lose your way at some point. You'll say or do something you shouldn't. And to that fact, the people around you aren't typically interested in taking on the burden of being your personal messiah. I, I, I deal with that in marriage counseling a lot. This concept of, you know, I thought he was gonna, I thought he was the one. And now I've lived with him for a few years. And he's not very one. I, I, I've, I've been looking around and there's other ones out there. And that's unfortunate. It's funny, but it's not. Because when we put people on that place that only God can... You know, God is our one. When I, when I talk about, I've got a couple of weddings coming up in the near future. And when we do marriage counseling, I talk about the, 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 the triangle of our three-person relationship that happens in a marriage. We're going to get into marriage counseling for just a second here. Um, when the husband and the wife are pursuing God first, that's going to bring them through their whole life, it's going to bring them closer and closer and closer and closer together. Right? So no matter where they are, I mean, some, some relationships, <laughs> some people you do marriage counseling with, you're like, yeah, I, I just don't know if this is a good idea. Uh, because they're so far for pursuing God. It could be like this or it could be like this. But if we're actively pursuing God, that's going to bring our relationship closer through the entire relationship. And it doesn't mean it's not going to to be hard sometimes. Anyway, enough marriage talk. But people are not really signing up to be your personal Messiah. So don't put that weight on them. It's not fair to them. They were never designed to be that. Only God is that vertical relationship. That's the only thing that can do that. They don't want to live with the responsibility of having your identity on their, in their hands. That's harsh. Looking to people for inner self-worth never works. Period. It's, I've been doing this for a few years now. It's never worked out as far as I've seen 
and I can guarantee I just don't, it doesn't work out. Only God can, can provide for you your inner self-worth. You know, we have to talk about self-esteem all the time these days and age. Poor self-esteem, they got, they got better self-esteem. How do you have better self You can't just make yourself have better self-esteem, right? Today I'm going to have better self-esteem. That's a lifetime's worth of stuff that has gone into your life. The only place you can find esteem for your life that's worth moving in is coming to the person who made you and loves you and cares for you, that vertical relationship, and he's going to speak into your life. You are valuable. You're worth my life of my son. I so loved you that I gave my only son so that you could live eternally with me. Forget self-esteem. How about some God esteem? Vertical relationship esteem. I'm going to start preaching. I'm sorry. It's similar, it's similar with making idols of stuff. That's not what they were designed for. The peace found in success, property, stuff, money is unreliable as well. Since you are less than perfect, whatever success you achieve will soon be followed by failure of some kind. Well, Pastor, that's bringing us down. That's life, man. That's life. I don't know if you're like me, but as soon as I succeed in something, I'm completely bored with it. Give me the next thing. I mean, it's, it's not designed to be lasting peace giver. Then there's the fact that the buzz, here, here's what I was just saying. The buzz of success is short-lived. It's short-lived. It isn't long before you're searching for the next success to keep you going. So as we kind of bring this to a close tonight, remind yourself every day not to search horizontally for what we've already been given vertically. God has already given us, we already have access to peace. God esteem. God is right there. He's right at the end of your smallest prayer. He's right there. You can always go to him. I said, secondly, if you ever need somebody, the church is here for you. We will do our best, not perfectly, not like God. We will do our best to express to you the love that God has for you. And I'm telling you, if you need to be with people, we got people. Don't look horizontally for what God has already given freely, vertically. So let me ask you some closing questions. Is the truth of who God is, that, is his whole, uh, only, that he's the only God, that he has revealed himself in Scripture, that he is always will be who he said he is. Is that truth enough for you? That he is the one and only God. That he is who he revealed himself to be in Scripture. And he always will be that God. The only God. Is that enough for you? Let me ask you another question. Is his presence enough? Or do you worship him for his stuff? 
That's a tough. Oh, I would. <laughs> Let's be real. The other day I was at a prayer meeting, and uh, I <laughs> I was in a circle, and then the it was all pastors at this prayer meeting, and they they turned to me and said, "What can we pray for you about?" I'm like, "Oh, thank you." I said, I, "You know, I'm I'm praise the Lord. I'm doing good right now." I said. You know, God is, and then I, then I put my foot in my mouth. It's a really tough bend. I'm not very flexible. I said, God has been pretty good to me lately. They're like, lately? Lately? I'm like, oh, I'm with pastors. Jeez. I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys never had a, had a you guys don't understand what seasons of life are like. You just tell me about, so I, I gave it back to him. I'm like, yeah, you've never had a, a low season. Like, oh, yeah, we get home. <laughs> right? Jeez, lay off. But, I mean, God is always good. But sometimes we don't, we're not there. We don't feel it. So it's hard. It's hard for God's presence to be enough when we're in need of, some, of, a, of a thing, of, of what we think is, is important. So I'm just saying. It's not just a pat answer. Oh, no, I would never worship God for his stuff. Mm, let's be real. Is God's presence enough for us in the valleys and on the hilltops? And that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a choice that we need to make, not, not something we can always feel. Are we okay with him being sovereign, of him being sovereign, and we being in his care? You know what that means? That means he gets to make the choices. We're okay with God being sovereign when things are going well, but when, we, when, when things aren't going well and we have to rely on his care, we start getting, like, antsy. He's been up there a long time. Maybe he's dead. We've got some ideas. Let's, work, let's workshop this thing. Golden calf sounds good. Yeah, you're good with that. I'm good with that. Let's do that. We start taking control. We take taking sovereignty for ourselves. Can you handle? Can you handle? Listen to this one. Oh man, can you worship him as he was, as he is, without trying to make him small or comfortable? Ah. Remember that first week of the of the year we talked about the God on the mountain. And we are sinners. Ah, that's who he is. Are you okay? Or do you need to make him kind of comfortable? He's not the man upstairs. He's not your homeboy. He's God. That God. And lastly, can you handle a God who's not tangibly at arm's reach? but lives and works in and through you. We so often want to substitute the God for a God because it's more tangible. I'll leave those thoughts with you as we go. God has revealed himself. It's expressed in his unfailing love for us. He's given us a path to true peace, a path, no, a path 
to true peace, you try to say it, through relationship with him. <laughs> I'm going to read that whole thing because we're just off now. Ready? God has revealed himself, expressed his unfailing love for us, given us a path to true peace through relationship with him. Why would we look anywhere else for what he has freely given? Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? God, I'm so grateful for you today. I'm grateful for you for everything that you are, everything that you have uh, everything that you are, and I am grateful of how you've revealed yourself to us. God, help us to always keep you on the throne of our lives, to worship you and worship you alone for who you are, not who we think you ought to be. And that includes being okay when we're not sure what's going on. You're still on the throne. That includes when things are going at a pace or a timing that we're not comfortable with. We, we are not the sovereign. You are, we are in your care. So we, we wait on you. We trust in you. And we give you our lives. Lord, I pray right now that you would help us to cast out any idols that we have put. Things in our lives that we have looked to to supply us with peace, fulfillment that are not you. For looking at the horizontal things of life to fulfill only to fulfill what only the, the vertical relationships can do. God, help us to look to you for our value for our worth for our esteem for everything that brings us peace in this life and cast down every idol that presents itself to us as shiny and new Lord I thank you for my brothers and sisters help, help us to look to the mountain to see you for who you are and to thank you that you have broken down the separation due to our sins. You have torn the veil and now we are righteous by your son Jesus' righteousness to enter into the cloud, into the holy of holies. Lord, help us to be single-minded in our worship. bless you. Have a wonderful week. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.